Welcome to the Future Now Media Podcast, where we believe a future now is a future one. I'm your host, Peggy Kim, and I'm the founder and president of the Future Now Media Foundation, which is a nonprofit leadership incubator for the media and entertainment industry. In this podcast series, we'll be talking to some of today's top industry leaders, executives, and professionals. We'll also hear about their personal and professional career journeys, what makes them tick, how they got to where they are today, and what they've learned along the way. And we'll also share some of the best content from our Future Now live events. Today's episode is all about tools of the trade and features a panel discussion that took place at the 2018 Future Now Media and Entertainment Conference. The four panelists include Lashika Howard of the T. Howard Foundation, a nonprofit focused on promoting diversity in the media industry, Roberta Kaplow, the publisher of Synopsis Media, which include various trade publications covering the industry, E.B. Moss, managing editor at MediaVillage.com, publisher of B2B thought leadership commentaries and content, and Thomas Umstead, journalist and editor of Multichannel News, a major trade publication that's been going strong for almost 40 years. Moderating the panel is producer and entrepreneur Rashida Winfield. The panelists discuss the tools, publications, organizations, and resources that are available for students to start preparing for their careers now and best position themselves for success. The speakers also get personal and share their own stories of how they got started in the business, some of the challenges they've had to overcome, and why they love what they do. Take a listen. So what I wanted to ask each of you is, how did you get started? Because I think we've heard today, throughout the day, it's not necessarily a linear journey. I know for me, it wasn't. I was in PR at one point, and then I did radio. And so I'd love for each of you to share your personal stories. We could start with you, Evie. Well, it's not a linear path, right? and that's probably the best thing I can tell you is um, pay attention to what you're interested in, pay attention to what makes your heart beat faster, and you might find yourself coming back to that passion. Um, so like Rashida, I started actually in radio. I was a writer, and I was um, a copywriter, and then simultaneously, I had written a paper for my journalism class in college that my professor thought was so good that I should submit it to the local daily paper. I did, and they hired me as um, a copy girl writing, you know, the, the obituaries and the wedding page and things like that. And so I was a writer for both audio and newspaper. Fast forward, I became a full-time copywriter, and then I quit. And I really liked radio, and I started doing voiceovers, so I started becoming an actor for like 10 years. Well, guess what? You know, it's hard to survive that way. So I went back into the business <laughs> behind the microphone, or in front of the microphone again. I don't know, whatever it is. And um, I got a job in cable at E! Entertainment Television, and that led me back to New York at Lifetime and Food Network, National Cable Communications, et cetera. And then, after 9-11, guess where I ended up? I freelanced for a while, and then I ended up back in audio at Westwood One and uh, a rep firm called AdLarge. I started writing and uh, speaking about podcasting, and I met Jack Myers, who was the founder of Media Village, because part two of my recommendation is to make sure that you're always networking and keeping um, in good touch with 
people like us, right? Um, and Jack said, well, you know what? We're hiring a managing editor, and you know, you've been writing about audio and marketing, and we need to have more content about that space, and you're an expert. So I ended up at Media Village, and now I write about cable, about audio, about print, so it all comes together. That's great. I, um, uh, I went to school here in the city, and um, I graduated with a degree in English and American literature, which was good in that I knew how to write. Um, so I, I would tell you that no matter what you decide to go into, like being able to write, um, you know, put kind of thoughts together coherently is a really great skill to have. Yes. Um, and I really didn't know what I wanted to do. My mother kept asking me if I wanted to be a doctor. I have no idea why she thought in any universe that I would want to be a doctor because really, like, I love to watch TV. And if she had seen what I was doing, she would have seen, like, obviously TV was where I was going to go. <laughs> so <laughs> the, um, I ended up getting a job as an assistant to the president of a, a TV syndication company. And um, for any of you who don't know what um, syndication is, it, it means that they would produce a show and then they would kind of sell it to station groups or even to individual networks throughout the country. Um, syndicators at that time were very powerful, um, you know, not, not quite now in the same way. Um, but I will tell you that I, I remember I went into the interview and um, at the receptionist desk there was a life-size cutout of Sonny and Cher. And I was like, I could work here. This is my kind of place. I do hope you guys know who Sonny and Cher were. Anyway, so um, that was really a kind of great experience. And um, I would not turn your nose up at um, any jobs where you're the assistant to somebody because mm -hmm. you get to see everything yes. that passes his or her desk. Mm -hmm. um, you know, they're gonna. You're just going to be in on meetings and conversations and thought processes that are just incredibly valuable. Um, so after that, I, I ended up working for something was like the, the precursor to podcasting. Um, it was a company called Phone Programs, and believe it or not, it was like a, you would dial um, a phone number, you would be charged for it, and you would get like the latest sports updates. Um, they used to be called Sports Phone. It was a really big deal here in New York. Um, and one thing led to another. I, after that, I ended up working for Soap Opera Digest, where I literally got to watch TV for a living, and there was a TV in my office. And, you know, people would scream to each other and go like, watch One Life to Live, and then everybody would like switch over to ABC <laughs> to see what was happening. Um, and, and I went on to kind of, uh, you know, be um, an editor at Ladies Home Journal and at Seventeen Magazine, and as, as I'm sure you all know, the magazine business began to contract, mm -hmm. and um, I got a phone call from a friend saying there's, um, you know, a trade newsletter called Synopsis, and it needs some help editorially. Would you be interested? And it was just a great time in my life to um, make a change, you know, because I, I knew that magazines were really struggling, and I was very lucky. Um, so to your point about kind of being aware of what's happening in the industry, um, it, it was, you know, it was, it was important that I had the ability to recognize an opportunity when I saw it. So um, I knew nothing about working um, in a trade capacity. I knew nothing about working on a digital newsletter. Um, but I certainly had editorial skills. So in the same way that EB was able to 
kind of transfer a lot of things that she knew how to do to working for Media Village. I was also able to do that for Synopsis. And um, it's been, you know, it, it is kind of a roller coaster, but it's very exciting. So um, I would encourage you to say yes to lots of different kinds of opportunities, even if it's not totally clear that it's something you want. Right. I, when I graduated from college, I knew I wanted to be in the entertainment industry. I, I grew up as a TV fanatic. I watched TV all the time. Problem was, I didn't know how to act. Couldn't, <laughs> didn't know how to act. <laughs> you know, I, I didn't. Right. Wasn't, wasn't great in, on, on the stage, but I knew how to write. So I knew I was going to figure out a way to to turn the skills that I did have into something I wanted to do. So I was fortunate enough to uh, come up against an internship at a new publication at the time called Multi-Channel News, which was covering the cable industry. And I said, well, maybe that's an opportunity to get into the business, and then we can work it out. I was wanted to be a sports writer or an entertainment writer. But I started at Multi-Channel News as the as a correspondent. And I'm going to show my age here. What I my my job was to take article uh, take press releases rather off the facts and type them up on a typewriter, <laughs> hand it to my editor who would then turn it into a, a, a publication. I mean, it would go into the newspaper uh, for the next week. So I started doing that, but I but what I did was I tailed the sports editor all everywhere he went when I had the opportunity, I went with him, and he thought he was showing off because he was at such a high level, but what he was doing was really grooming me for his job at some point. <laughs> so he didn't realize that. So what happened was uh, an opportunity came up uh, at a new position, but it was the technology uh, position. I knew nothing about cable technology, you know, head ends to the fiber, to the home. I knew nothing about that. But I knew that there was an opportunity there, so I learned what the technology business was about and started to write about that. As I started to learn about the technology, a new technology came up called pay-per-view. I'm sure, I hope everybody still knows what pay-per-view pay view? Pay-per-view. And at that time, the, the major uh, content based on pay-per-view was sports and movies. So I found my way, I found it kind of backed into what I wanted to do. And then the sports editor left. So now I become the sports editor, and I'm still doing the technology and pay-per-view side. And then the entertainment editor <laughs> left. So by the time, by 10 years in, I am now the, the sports, technology, and entertainment editor. So I pretty much got everything I wanted just by starting at a level that I didn't, didn't think that I was, was going to be at. So my, mm -hmm. I guess what I'm trying to say is any opportunity you see, take it and hopefully find a way to learn from that and build on your on your skills so that when that opportunity that you really do want comes up, you're in a position to take advantage of it. And I was able to do that. Five years later, again, didn't know anything about video, but when we started to launch a video, our, our digital site, video became an important part. So I learned how to edit video, I learned how to, to, to take a video, do an interview, one-on-one -on -one interview, edit it, and then post it on our website. So now I'm the multicultural, multicultural, multichannel.com website editor as well. So again, all of these opportunities are, are, are available, but you got to get your foot in the door and you get your foot in the door however you can, wherever you can, and then you take it from there. It's all the same story, basically. Yes. It is. I didn't even know this. I love that. Yours? Um, so I started uh, my career a little earlier on in retail. 
um, because I wanted to learn about the business. I was interested in sales. Um, and I don't know about you, but I like discounts as well. So um, that was I a agree. great, that was a great uh, benefit. And so um, that gave me an opportunity to learn a lot of different things. And I also um, liked cars. And so I went from retail to working at a rental car agency. Um, again, learned a lot about that business. Um, also received discounts, which was nice. And um, on the cars and uh, rental cars. Okay. Yeah. So and I was in college at the time, so that was a pretty cool thing to do. Um, at the rental car agency, um, there was a point where the staff had gotten smaller, and we were bringing on new people. So I was a person who, um, you know, handled rental tickets. Right. Someone comes in, rents, wants to rent a car, and write all that stuff up. But at this time, someone new was coming on board, and they'd asked for me to help with that onboarding process. Um, so it was a great opportunity to learn a little bit more about the HR side of business and you know bringing someone on board, what are the things they need to know, um, having an opportunity to train someone. Um, and I really, really liked that. So by the time I graduated from college, I um, had an opportunity to uh, work at a small consulting firm, um, a headhunting firm, as a recruiter. And I was just you know getting out of school, and this was a 100% commission job. And I said, well, that could be a challenge um, because I'm just graduating and this is something that I would be new at. I would have to learn it. Um, but there's a great opportunity to make some great money. So I focused on working with software companies at the time. And it was a time where um, the computer industry was just, you know, it started to boom. And there were a lot of dot coms coming up out of everywhere. And so being able to work in that space, learning a lot, um, it was a great opportunity. I really liked the part about working with people, helping people identify opportunities, and also working with companies and helping companies find people. Um, being able to, you know, sort of be a matchmaker in that sense was really, really exciting to me. And I did that for a while. Um, and then things started to change with that company, and so I realized that I needed to start looking for something else. Um, and I wanted to find something that would give me the opportunity to still work with people and help them prepare for opportunities, look for opportunities, but also work with companies because I like the business side as well and working with different companies and learning you know, a lot about the tech space. And so the opportunity with the T. Howard Foundation came about. Um, it gave me a chance to do, continue to do what I love to do, which is working with people, helping them find opportunities, and working with companies, um, but in a different industry. So I'm interested in media uh, and entertainment, and I felt that it would be a great opportunity for me to learn, again, something new and apply some of the skills and experiences and things that I was passionate about doing um, in my next step. And for the T. Howard Foundation, we work with students, you know, young, diverse students of color, uh, college students, helping them prepare for internships and career opportunities. So it was a really great way for me to, um, you know, Making bring faces all, of here. That, all of that full circle. So that's sort of how I am uh, here today. All right, so the common thread, not a linear journey, right? I see a snap, snap, right? Yes. <laughs> Sometimes you're not going to start. And I, I can share my story. I, I got into the industry as a page. So I started as an NBC page. And that's something that I did after I had a few years of radio producing. So I don't know if you're familiar with the NBC page program, but it's uh, a program after you graduate from college. And it's a foot in the door. You get to experience different departments 
apartments, and you also, the default thing that you do is you give tours to tourists of 30 Rockefeller Plaza. So for me, I went from producing, and then I was giving tours, and I was like, what am I doing? Ah, it felt like a step back, but in actuality, it was a step forward, because in six months, I ended up meeting the executive producer of Dateline. I became her assistant, right? We talked about being an assistant, and I learned everything, okay? I learned everything about producing, and then, you know, during the day, I had to work on the phones, you know, doing all the administrative stuff, but then afterwards, I got to work on stories and working one-on-one -on -one with producers, so you never know how it's gonna happen. Just be open to it. Don't feel like you're too good for a position. Um, and that's a good segue <laughs> into my next question. What are you seeing students doing today? Like, what are some of the mistakes that you feel um, when students are applying for jobs? Because I, I know we can sometimes know what to do, but like what not to do is what I want to kind of hear from you guys. Um, I'll start. Uh -huh. I think the level of expectation um, coming out of school and going into your first role for many students or recent graduates, um, it's extremely high. And it's not a bad thing, but I believe that when you're coming out of school um, and you're interviewing for your first job, one of the things to keep in mind that companies are looking for is your potential. So at that point, you've had some internship experience, maybe you've had some experience on campus, working um, you know, on campus, um, maybe in retail or other industries, and it's, it's good. You know, those things are marketable. You should take, um, maximize all of the experiences that you have and present them well to a company that you're interviewing with. Um, but keeping in mind that you, know, you're, you may not come in uh, at an entry level and, and three months from then you know, you're moving to two steps up. Um, it's just not realistic. Not to say it doesn't happen, but it doesn't happen as often. And so um, to a lot of the other panelists' point, you know, maximizing the positions that you have in front of you. It may not be the ideal thing, and you may have to work your way to that. So don't, right. you know, continue to strive for your goals and, and have dreams and aspire to do things, but be flexible and, and understand that it may not be a straight shot. You may have to take some curves here and there. I completely agree with that, and, and um, I'll reiterate what our president, John McMenamin, if, assuming you were all here for his keynote, um, said earlier, which is that you have to be a change agent, but you also have to learn everybody else's job and understand how to be proactive. So revisit some of those five steps that John mentioned earlier. Um, and the other thing I would say, spell check. Oh, yes. You know, I agree. None of us anymore are particularly good at um, writing a complete sentence. Are you? <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> you guys didn't get it? Okay, I got yeah, it. I got so it. I got it. Media, marketing, advertising, everything really depends on being able to form a sentence as a grown-up. And I, I don't mean to sound stern about that, but I recently posted a job um, on LinkedIn, um, and that was my 
uh, platform of choice, uh, really terrific. So the first thing I'm going to look at is how well you've described yourself. So you have the opportunity to have a profile on LinkedIn. Everybody in this room better have one, um, because would you agree, Lishik, that that's the first Absolutely, place? Absolutely, yes. So form a, a smart, compelling paragraph about yourself, and then um, there's an opportunity on LinkedIn to just automatically apply for a job. You know who stood out to me? Those who added a cover note, a cover letter, and followed up with me. Mm. Don't just expect me to do all the heavy lifting of having to then link through to your profile and find the download of your PDF r resume, et cetera, and make your resume look good, too. So um, those are like some real basic tactical things that I'd recommend. That's great. Um, I think there are some basics you have to do. Make sure you are spelling the name of the company correctly that you are applying to. When I worked at Ladies Home Journal, Honestly, I would um, automatically throw out somebody's, you know, resume or pitch letter if they spelled the name of the magazine wrong. It just, to wow. me, it was just unforgivable. And it, ha it happened a lot? Yeah. <sighs> yeah. It was just, it was just, it was sloppy and it just, I, I felt that this is somebody who is, is careless and, you know, imagine what kind of an article he or she is going to write for me. Um, mm -hmm. And it just spoke to, you know, a, a lack of attention that um, I find still, you know, uh, continues. Um, you know, spell check is not the thing that solves everything. You know, there is a difference between it's and it's and your and your and, you know, when I I, you know, especially on the editorial side, when I see, you know, somebody who doesn't get that, um, you know, it, it does um, stick out to me. Um, the humility, um, which I think you were, you know, referring to a little bit earlier. Um, you know, when I was um, at 17, I had an editor come into my office and she said, I've been here for six months and I think I deserve a raise and a promotion. And I was six like, six months? Yeah. And I was like, just, what? Just, just go back to your desk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it was, um, you know, I, I wow. think it's, it's very different if mm -hmm. you say, you know, like Tom was talking about, like you're interested in something and you're willing to take on more work. That's a very different um, approach than saying, mm -hmm. you know, I, I think that I deserve a promotion, even if you do. You know, um, there's a lot to learn about what um, it's like to work in an office. Um, I would be kind of sensitive. Uh, to those dynamics, I would always be willing to kind of raise your hand and say that you'll take on something. Um, it's, uh, you know, and, and I'm sure that, you know, you can talk ad nauseum about sort of follow-up letters and, you know, things to say. Somebody once said to me, like, an email follow-up is when you care enough to do the very least. And it, it really stuck with me. You know, that it was always going to be better to write a, you know, to write an actual handwritten note. Mm. Um, you know, those are just sort of, you know, little things to come into an interview with some sense of what, uh, you know, a company does. Um, you know, what sort of information is included. Um, you know, just kind of basic, you know, basic prep that is very specific to the conversation you're about to have. I'd say that's the main thing. I would echo everything that they've said uh, with regards to being prepared for the interview and making sure that everything is correct. But I, the other warning I have for you is be very careful about social media. Of course. 
yes. that will sink you very quickly, as we all saw this week. It could be, you know, a, a, like a game changer, a career ender. If, if, if someone looks at it, if someone looks it at it, you know, and they they will, and and the people will look at your social media posts to see yes. what type of person you are, who, what you're posting about. So you'd be very, very careful about what you put out in in, in the in, in the digital world because it could come back to bite you. I would. Um, so two things. One, LinkedIn is a wonderful tool. Um, so yes, everyone should have a LinkedIn profile and understand that when you submit your resume to a company, chances are the first place they're going to look beside your resume is your LinkedIn profile. And as a recent graduate, as someone looking to secure uh, an op you know career opportunity, um, keep in mind that it is your job to make it easy for the person who's looking at your resume to understand who you are, what you know, and why you're a fit for a certain position. So if you're not spending the time to create something that presents yourself in that way, chances are you're not going to be considered. I mean, we understand that the job search process is a job in and of itself, but the time that you take to invest in that process is really, really important, and the return on that invested time um, will certainly, you know, you'll, you'll reap those benefits. So it's important to have a digital profile, right? So what about websites? Having a personal website, is that something you'd recommend students invest time in doing, or any thoughts on that in particular? I would say if it's relevant to what, you're, what you aspire to do. Um, if you are just someone who likes to put together you know, different means and you have a website that you created for that, that's not something that you want to put on your resume because it has nothing to do with what you aspire to do and it won't make you more marketable for a certain positions. So I think if it's relevant, yes, but also making sure that it's updated as long as, you know, when you're updating your resume, updating all of those different platforms at the same time because the inconsistencies can raise a red flag even when it's not intended. Oh, that's a from a journalist perspective, I guess it doesn't hurt to have a place where someone can go and see your, your prior works, what you've done in terms of writing, edit, uh, editing, writing, uh, video, et cetera, and so forth. So if, if you're looking to get into that area, I think that's probably a good day. But again, be very careful and make sure everything is, is spell checked, make sure everything is up, make sure the links work so that people can look at it uh, and, and it looks professional. So I, I, I don't think that hurts you. You, you could even even post on, uh, you know, create an account on Medium or something like that if you have portfolio samples and you don't want to go through, you know, creating a, a Squarespace site or something like that. So there's turnkey ways to get your content out there. Okay. And I wanted to focus a little bit on internships. Evie, I know that internships, you know a little something about that. <laughs> Can yeah. you just elaborate on how important it is and, and what Media Village does? Completely agree. Um, I, I'll tell you the story of a woman who's going to have an article out on Monday, and I hope everybody here reads it, um, particularly the women. Um, Media Village um, is very passionate about supporting young people in the industry. Our founder um, has written, literally written the book on uh, Gen Z and millennials. Uh, Jack Myers is an author of five or six books, and two or three of them are about um, the younger generations and the impact of media on their lives today. Um, as such, he tries to help um, bring up the generations into our industry. Um, 
he's created an event called First Five, and we have content. If you look at MediaVillage.com, there's a section called First Five. And if any of you are particularly interested in writing, take a look at that and reach out to me because we're always looking for um, your points of view. Anyway, um, he also was the uh, president of IRTS, the International Radio and Television Society, which has a very, very strong internship program similar to um, T. Howard's support of youth in the industry. So um, we always get an intern. We always support interns. And in my past incarnations, I've always worked really hard to get um, interns in. And uh, the story is when I was at Westwood One, I brought in an intern, um, and she was a really talented writer, <clears throat> and um, I followed her career, and I tried to give her more information, and a few years later, when I was at Media Village, we reconnected, and she had graduated, and I made her a freelance writer for us, and she has a story coming out um, about the Ad Council, which is our nonprofit society that um, produces really, really beautifully produced um, public service announcements and things like that. So the story coming out on Monday is about the need to educate African-American women on breast cancer and awareness about that. So it's kind of come full circle. I have goosebumps thinking about it because it's an amazingly well-written story. She went on to be an editor at a magazine and now has chosen to continue the freelance uh, writing life. So that's one of my success story interns, and, and that's Carice Henry's story on Monday. That's awesome. See what happens, folks? All right, so now, if you want to ask questions, now is the time to do it. Okay, so make your way down, speak, project into the microphone, and you are ready. I like your style. Yeah. <laughs> Uncap is really good. See, see, strategy. All right, you're up. Hi, so my name is Sophie, and I'm currently um, a living arts writer at the Boston Globe. Um, and when I say the Boston Globe, it's a print newspaper as well as online. And print is kind of a scary word right now, because it's kind of, I'm not going to say the word dying, but getting there, um, and I was wondering if you had any advice for how to lift and elevate my print stories into a realm that can be used later and, you know, set me apart when I'm looking for, you know, other jobs after the globe that might not be print. What are you writing about? Um, I'm a living arts correspondent, so it's uh, movies, music. I'm actually wrote about the dating project that you were in. Oh. <laughs> so I'm going to talk to you later. <laughs> Which I didn't mention at all. <laughs> and now everyone's like, what? what? I'll tell you later, guys. Um, so music, uh, concerts, things of that nature. Is, is your work online? It's is also there... online, yes. Uh, you know, I, I think you're in good shape then. I mean, if you're asking for, like, critiques of your writing, if you want to send stuff to me, I'll look at it. Believe hey. it. But, uh, I mean, I, I, my experience is that if your work is exists on a digital format, I think that, you know, editors are, you know, kind of smart enough to understand that one, you know, if you can write for a newspaper, then you can write for a magazine, you can write for a website, then you can write for... You know, for any number of outlets. And again, if I, if you're, if you have your, if everything's online, then it means it has a link to it. So, wherever your name is and wherever you're looking to promote, yeah. make sure you link those stories yeah. to whatever platform you're gonna, you're, you're trying to promote yourself on. And this way, everyone can see what you're, what you're doing. And that's how the best way to get it done. 
Okay. All right, thank you. Yeah. All right, you're next. Hello everyone, my name is Brittany Nicholson. I'm a recent graduate from Virginia Commonwealth University and I'm also a 2016 uh, T. Howard alum. Uh, <laughs> and my question is, what, are, um, what do you consider the keys to building a strong standout resume? What are you all looking to see first? What do you want to see first on a resume? Um, in our experience in working with uh, the companies that we work with, a lot of the feedback is really, um, as I mentioned, making it easy for them to understand how you're a fit. So, you know, taking the time to take the job description and look at your skills and experiences, all of your skills and experiences, and then being able to pull those things together. Um, keep in mind that when someone's looking at your resume and your cover letter, Try to help them almost envision how you would step into that role that you're applying for mm -hmm. and make an impact. So the more you can do that, I think the, you know, the stronger impact you'll have and, and it will help your resume resonate versus, you know, they can tell who spent time developing a resume and cover letter versus people who, who didn't. Great. Thank you. Anyone else? Okay. Thank you. You're up. Hi. My name is Abby Jasmine Rose. And I've been producing my own content in singing and acting in New York for about four years. And I'm a recent graduate as of about two weeks ago. Congrats. And thank you. And I've heard from multiple people, professors, mentors, that it's important not just to connect on LinkedIn, say, but to also connect with people on Twitter and on even Facebook and Instagram. And that makes me a little nervous because I don't want to come off as um, annoying to anybody. So I was wondering how important that is versus sending you an email, like which would you prefer? Or if, I was, or if we were to engage with somebody who we're hoping to work with or just even have a coffee with over social media, What's your advice for that, sharing our work? Good question. I oversee our social media for Media Village as well, and so I'm pretty passionate about that space. And I think that it's important to, as Tom said, um, use proper hygiene in your social media. You know, get rid of the Instagram pictures that, you know, aren't on your, your Finsta where, you know, you've got the beer can smashed on your head kind of thing. Don't do that. No. But do follow me. You know, follow me personally, follow me professionally at MediaVillage.com um, and show us the, the sort of flattery that you know what we're posting, that you're retweeting us, that you're, you're sharing us, that you're liking our content. We have a LinkedIn group, we have a Facebook group, et cetera. So do take advantage of it because the whole secret to advertising, right, is familiarity. Familiarity builds trust. So the more that we're familiar with your face, your name, and the content that you're sharing that's smart and credible and, and insightful, we're gonna follow you back. And then when you reach out to us, Oh, wait, how do we know about her? Uh-huh. So I would use best practices of social media and, and select the accounts that you're choosing appropriately. So it doesn't have to be, sorry if I'm feeding back, hello. <laughs> it doesn't have to be every platform. Like it might not be Facebook at this point, but um, 
uh, sorry to hog this, but really briefly, I did a series of interviews with some celebrities recently and asked them, Instagram or Twitter? And one of the correspondents from Full Frontal with Sam B said, I only do Twitter now because Instagram, I feel guilty because it's just pretty pictures. Twitter, I'm learning things and I can link through to articles. So yeah. there's a thought. I don't know. I, I would say that I would Ooh. be careful about... Point, counterpoint, Robbie Caplow. <laughs> no, it makes me nervous. <laughs> no. I don't know. I, I think... I, I, it's not that I disagree with everything you're saying, but I do think you want to make sure that you're not stalky. Right. Yes. Right? It's a fine line. laughing backstage. <laughs> that I, I would just be careful about kind of how much you're all over following somebody. Um, and frankly, mm -hmm. I, I actually thought the beginning of your question was going to be, do I you know, follow them on LinkedIn or is it better? And then I thought you were going to say to meet them in person. And I was going to say, yes, I would, you know, any kind of networking opportunity, um, you know, and I think there are some that are either, you know, free to recent graduates or, you know, cost a minimal amount. I mean, that that's obviously a great, you know, the, the best way to go up and say, shake someone's hands and say, would you be willing to have coffee with me? Yeah. You know, so, 20 minutes. So. But to reach out to someone, would you prefer like email or social media? I personally would prefer uh, email. Yeah. Me but too. I want to know you and I want to know, does she have a presence on social and you'll be familiar to me if I happen to have come across some of your smart and insightful comments. Cool. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right. You're up. Hello. My name is Derek Lawson. Um, I'll be graduating Queensborough Community College tomorrow with Associates in Applied Science. Thank you. Thank Congrats. you. Um, Speak up a little bit more. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, my, my question is for you guys. So I'm a freelance web developer. I do some web development for small businesses. And I'm kind of in this period where uh, I want to take the summer off to just kind of gain new clients. But after this summer, I do plan on like trying to look for a new job. Can you guys kind of like help give me insight on how I should go about that? Because I have a portfolio that has all my work and displays everything that I've ever done digitally. But I'm, I know that's not enough, and I know like the associate's degree is not enough, so I do plan on going back for a bachelor's degree. But for somebody in that, uh, in the circumstance I'm in now, like how, how would I be able to maneuver inside the industry? Are you saying that you, you're, you're working now? Um, yes, I'm doing uh, marketing communications for the college, but that's about to end soon. Okay. Um, and why are you taking the summer off? Um, a lot of, no, honestly, honestly, it's like a lot of personal reasons. Uh, okay. Just, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because I, I was just, just wanting, that's a good reason yeah. um, if you have to take it off for that. Um, just uh, my question would have been why take the summer off? Because at this point, the goal is to continue to work towards getting experience, whether you're volunteering for organizations just to give you some more exposure mm -hmm. um, or, you know, freelance projects, but continuing to do things that will, can, you know, give you the experience and help prepare you for the next step in your career, right. even if you're not going back to school right away, right. Um, but staying focused on trying to, you know, connect with organizations and figure out how you can get as much experience as possible. Okay. Okay. That works. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks. We have, we have time. Keep, yeah. keep. 
Keep it coming. <laughs> Good morning. Um, my name is Sierra Porter. I'm a recent graduate from Georgia State University. I'm also a 2018 T. Howard Foundation uh, recipient. I have a question. Uh, being a multimedia reporter, uh, I do a lot of things, but sometimes I get burnt out. So, and I'm in that kind of period where I feel like I'm drained, I don't have no motivation. I want to know, how do you balance uh, self-care, family life, and a social life being a multimedia journalist? That's the question. <laughs> I think you have the answer, let me know. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I wish I could help you there. Uh, who wants to take a stab at it? Well, well actually, nice. we also have a section on Media Village called <laughs> Women Advancing. And we interview female executives about exactly how do they manage that and, and you know, also how to succeed in, in business. But um, you might check out some of what Ariana Huffington of the Huffington formerly of the Huffington Post, mm -hmm. writes about with Thrive. She has a good book out about the need to get enough sleep, take a nap, take a break, meditate. Um, you know, it doesn't have to be the 20-minute thing, but even if you're on the subway or something or stuck in traffic, not while you're driving. Uh, <laughs> Please don't. You, you know, best practices of things like that. And, um, you know, exercise. I, I literally will do jumping jacks in the office sometimes, walk around the block, just get a new perspective, um, yell at your boss, where is he? <laughs> no, don't do that. But uh, get it out, no, you know? I, I, I agree. I, th I think it's very hard. You know, um, especially because we're also connected all the time. Mm -hmm. You know, when do you put down your phone? You know, when do you really shut down your laptop? Um, I mean, I, I struggle with that too because um, there's that urge to kind of just be working all the time. Um, but sometimes, like, I'll say to myself, you know what, it's six o'clock or it's seven o'clock and it's time to just, you know, turn it down. I think you have to be very conscious of it. Um, and as well as taking many breaks throughout the day. I think that's, you know, a really good piece of advice, too. Just kind of being outside will kind of clear your head, even if it's for 10 minutes. Okay. Right. And just, again, go to a movie. Go to, you know, take a couple of hours just to be you, to be you. And, and you'd be surprised how quickly your battery gets re-energized and then you get back into it. So, uh, but you know, you know you the best. So mm -hmm. find the time to take the time for you. Thank you, All right. Well, that is the conclusion of our panel. But they will be here. I want to thank you guys for having amazing questions. And let's thank our panelists. Give them a round of applause. I hope you enjoyed this episode. One of the most critical foundational steps in preparing for an internship or job search is building your LinkedIn profile. All recruiters and hiring managers look at LinkedIn when they're considering candidates. So put the elements from your resume on your profile and be sure to post a good headshot that shows your face. Don't use wide shots. I've seen some people do that and it leaves the impression that you're trying to hide something or you don't care about your professional presence. Also, Recruiters will look up your presence on other social media, so be careful not to put out content that may hurt you professionally. Thanks again for listening to this episode of the Future Now Media Podcast. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Till next time, I'm Peggy Kim, and remember, a future now is a future one. <laughs>